This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Mike in Montclair. What's up, Mike? Governor, next time you want to sit on a beach that is closed to the entire world except you, yeah. You put your fat being taken away. Great question. What is the law? Not to be first. Tell the truth. We live in a society now where it hurts first. You're here. Get it out there. We don't care who it hurts. We don't care who it is. We don't care if it's true. Just say it. Sell it. Anything you practice, you'll get good at. Including BS. And welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael. I look forward to once again serve you those conscious coma-inducing vibrations. First-time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a different kind of show, a place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Live and direct right now on the TuneIn radio app. Search End of Days and you'll find the 24-7 network. Go to michaeldeacon.com for your preferred choice of platform to hear the podcast rendition of this program. Tonight my guest is Robert Stanley, formerly a corporate journalist for Honda Research and Development in Torrance, California. He's an author and was once a talk show host. Robert has traveled to more than 50 countries during his lifelong pursuit of modern and ancient mysteries. Over the past 30 years, his quest for unique ideas and information has led him to research and write about many controversial topics. His ongoing investigations have been featured on television, radio, and in print. Once again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. My soul wants to say hello to you out there. Thanks for being here with me again. We are like a big, happy, dysfunctional family. Hello to those listening to this on YouTube. Hi. For those new in attendance, let me take a moment to reintroduce myself to you. My name is Michael, and I am the host and producer of this very unique program. Of course, this is a call-in show. Please feel free to call in. That number is 760-332-8947. Let's hear those sweet little voices, 760-332-8947. Or on Skype, end of days, Mike, letter Y and Mike, and that's all one word, end of days, Mike. Great to see so many of you out there. Tonight will be a bit of a rattlesnake. I feel this one may get a bit heavy. Hello, Robert, and welcome to the program. I, you know, I've been meaning to reach out to you originally for I think maybe since 2014, to be honest. Huh, interesting. Yeah, I had saved an email draft, and I never sent it. Hmm. Yeah, I, I it was so weird. I went to look up your name not so long ago, and I go to my email, and I see I have a draft already with your name on it. Okay. That was very unusual, but I'm glad this has come to fruition finally. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. No problem. So before we begin, can you give us a little 
bit of uh, context in your background, sir. Well, I mean, I was raised in uh, Los Angeles specifically. I grew up in Malibu, but I've lived all over Los Angeles area. Uh, in that time, I traveled to 57 countries. Um, at this point in my life, uh, I'm 57. I've traveled to 58 countries, and I'm currently living in Hong Kong with my family. So, um, yeah, I've worked for quite a few different jobs in my life, but I uh, uh, was actually a professional researcher for Honda Research and Development in Los Angeles and I uh, did that for a number of years and uh, really it was I was pretty interesting helped me kind of hone my skills as a as a researcher yeah what was that like <laughs> working for Honda um yeah a lot of people just think oh cars but they they also have obviously generators they have the Honda robot um some other things that I can't discuss but you know um it, it, to me it was fascinating. The group I was in, I guess you would have to call it a futurist group where within marketing, we were the only ones that were looking 10 to 20 years out and uh, extrapolating from whatever data we had um, to chart potential trends. So it was interesting. Yeah, it really does. It really does sound interesting rather. And that was in Torrance, California, correct? Yes. You know, I really wish I was in Torrance right now. I'm actually way out in the desert. Okay. Oh, it's hot as heck out oh, there. Oh yeah. my goodness! <laughs> I, I feel like I'm gonna melt every time, every every night. Yeah, I grew up on the coast, always lived there, but um, I have friends and family that live in like Palm Desert area, and uh, yeah, so I know how hot it is out there. And um, even the high desert gets into the 120s at times. Uh, this year, you guys have been hit really hard, so it's it's brutal. I know how I know how it is. Oh yes, it's a death trap out here. I I like to say. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Robert, you know, I, I've yeah. heard so much about you and so much, so many very, very interesting things about you. Were they good or bad? <laughs> they were positive, of course, but, oh, but, that's all right. but on the yeah. same side of the coin, you're one controversial figure. Uh, yeah, not intentionally, okay? I, I understand, yes. Yeah, yeah, but it's just the, the nature of the information that I am researching and reporting on. Naturally, it's uh, some people get pretty upset, and I totally understand it. Um, but I'm not trying to do that. It's just just the way it is. Well, I try and be respectful. We both have that in common. <laughs> yeah, good. We both have that in common, no doubt. Yeah. Lots of people get angry about all sorts of different things that are discussed here on this program. So I, I feel you. Especially lately, uh, I've noticed that people are increasingly more. They're um, nasty, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Very vile yes. nowadays. Right. Um, I think this is by design because the dark forces are losing their grip over a portion of us, and they know it, and it's freaking them out. And so they're acting increasingly desperately, and which includes provoking people who are still under their influence to do these you know, heinous acts and just act unhinged. Yes, there seems to be lots of nefarious... Activities going on behind closed doors. Well, that's always been the case. I'm just saying that it, to me, it appears, especially since 2012, that the momentum is on the side of the benevolent ones. Yeah, so those of us, those of us who are awake and aware and in tune with that are, are really very, it's difficult for us to be, um, uh, controlled by the, the dark side. And so we, you know, more and more people are saying, wait a second, it's obvious you're lying. Right to the media, to the politicians, etc. Uh, we're, we're tired of being lied to. It's so transparent. Don't you have a plan B? You know, I right. and they don't. That's the that's why they're so desperate. 
Yes, and we're going to get into all these all right. great subjects in a moment here, but let's go back in time here, back to mm-hmm. 1985, Robert. What exactly God. happened here? My goodness. Yeah, yeah. Well, it took a long time for me to figure that out um, because it was so confusing and traumatic and um, very profound, obviously, not just for me, but the people that were involved in it. Um, but it was essentially I was working as a security guard in my hometown of Malibu at a private beach, and um, uh, there was a boy that was injured, bleeding to death, and I intervened, and in the process, um, uh, I saw these etheric parasites just manifest in the room briefly, uh, not long enough for me to see them, and then they dematerialized, and uh, I believe they began attacking me because I felt something was wrong. I felt like I f- I'd never felt that way before, and um, it it was like it, something wanted to kill me. But I couldn't see what it was, you know, and I wasn't even sure if what I'd seen earlier was just a hallucination or something. But, you know, it, 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 it's really at the time, none of this made sense. And only after years of really studying it and um, doing a lot of soul searching, comparative analysis. I mean, it, it, again, this is we're talking about the paranormal realm. So most of this stuff is being dismissed out of hand. But I couldn't do that. I didn't have the luxury of doing that. Uh, because after I left work that day, um, I felt like I was under attack. So I instinctively went up to the a mountaintop that night, which was an equinox. And I, um, and I meditated and I had an out of body experience and I was confronted by an entity, a very amazing looking entity, kind of looked like Jesus, at least the prototypical, what most people think of as Jesus. Um, so yeah, it, it, <laughs> It, it, it made a huge impact on my psyche, right? But it left so many questions unanswered that, um, um, I think the unintended consequence on, on, from their, their side, these parasites and that entity, what they didn't realize that by doing that to me, that it would motivate me to investigate what, who they were, what, what they were doing, why, etc. Um, and I must say also to give credit where credit is due, I know. In retrospect, I know that I was getting assistance from the divine beings that we are all related to. At least those of us who have, have a soul are related to these divine beings. I like that you said that. Well, I, I've had a hard time coming to grips with that. But some of the entities or beings, some of the human beings we see running around here on this planet with us, um, I don't, at this point, I don't feel that they have a soul, a divine seed of light. Um, that's not what they are. I, I, I think they're being animated by an artificial net in intelligence through a network. And, um, um, yeah, it's, and it's all being administrated by, I mean, it was all created to serve this entity that confronted me that night in 1985. Look, the only reason he was there, it wasn't like, you know, he, he wasn't coming to my aid. The only reason he was there is because I set off alarm bells when I intervened in that, um, blood ritual sacrifice that they had instigated there on the beach, <clears throat> um, it set off an alarm. And, I mean, I, I didn't know this was going to happen. I, I didn't even have time to think about it. It was just to, like, reflex. I right. just reacted. Yeah. Okay? Because it was one of those things. And um, um, so, like I said, it's it's everything is 2020 when you're looking in hindsight. Right. But, again, it took, honestly, 
almost 30 years to have any kind of clarity or proper context for all this stuff so that we can have a, a conversation publicly that doesn't sound like completely insane. It's, it, and, and here's the other thing too. I want people to be very clear. A lot of what we discuss in this field is speculation presented as fact. And so my conclusions to date are subject to change as new information comes in. But, uh, you know, all I can do is present what I have so far. I understand. So you came face-to-face with what you believe would be Lucifer or Enki, correct? Well, yeah, but I didn't know that until 29 years later. He's very yes. deceptive. Yeah. No I mean, he is the names. father of all. I mean, yeah, well... Yeah, I mean, it's like he wants me to work, he wants all of us to worship him, but he's also, he knows that the, generally speaking, he has a bad reputation. I think deservedly so. So when, you know, he confronted me, he was, he was, the way he presented himself, looking like Christ and saying he was the father. Well, naturally I assumed that he was a divine being and, um, especially the radiance, the light yeah. that he was projecting. I'm like, wow. Um, uh, this must be help. At least I wanted it to be that. Little did I know, you know, that he was just, I kind of had a clue. After he said, I, I, I said to myself, I was like, whoa, who's that? And he said, I am the father. And I went, what? You know, I mean, it didn't make a lot of sense to me at that moment, but, and then he started laughing. And I, for, for many years, I told people that it wasn't, sinister but that i was saying that to basically protect myself i was still in denial about it uh he it was very sinister the way he was laughing yeah do you recall what the appearance of enki looked like well yeah i mean when i say prototypical christ it's long hair beard uh a robe Mm -hmm. um the only thing that was significant about it was the way he was radiating light and actually lucifer is a title it means the light bearer yes correct okay so that's not a um, that is an, a correct. In fact, in in the original Hebrew, when they spoke about the serpent in the garden, which was Lucifer or Enki, right. um, they they used the word Nakash, which actually does mean a radiant being. It's it's yes, it can be interpreted as a snake, but it has a you know like most words, they have more than one meaning depending on the context. So I think that was intentionally um uh mis translated or misinterpreted because again he's very the thing about he and his followers are that they are not all powerful they're not omnipotent they are not really the creators of the universe or us or especially our souls those of us who are seeds of light or souls um but he so he 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 knows that he can control us manipulate us lie to us if they use subterfuge so this is why they're often what they do is you know pretend so it's it's very difficult to understand uh, what is true and what is false in this world. Yes, I understand completely. You also mention Enki as Jehovah, which, of course, oh, God. Yeah. as you know, the Jehovah Witnesses out there also refer to <laughs> as God. And uh-huh. uh, just recently, uh, as you probably might have read, I'm, I'm sure you did, the Russians have banned that religion, if I recall. Oh, uh, well, um, I think. That's probably a good idea. Um, I, I think I know a lot of countries are not happy with Scientology. Um, That's true. I mean, there's there's a lot of weird religions on this planet, but I think they all kind of dovetail back to Lucifer. 
because yeah, he is a jealous God. He doesn't want anybody to worship any other gods. Um, he is the God of good and evil. So he right there, that should tell you something. He's, you know, he could be nice one minute and then turn around and punish you the next. That's true. And, and you know, interesting enough, uh, the whole Jehovah Witnesses was actually started by a Freemason named really? Charles Taze Russell. Yeah, I, I remember I, I had invited a, a guest onto this program uh, long ago. He was a Freemason, and I asked him about that, and he denied it. And I uh, thought that mm. I thought that was strange. Why are you denying that when even Jehovah Witnesses know that? So I'm not sure <laughs> what what he was thinking. I, I wanted to throw him out of the show as soon as he said that to me. Yeah, uh, Mormons are the same way. They don't acknowledge typically that they are an offshoot of the of the Masons. But the Masons themselves are have been compromised. I don't. I'm not sure they were ever really benevolent in their goals. But um, the the Knights Templar, when the Catholic Church uh, disbanded them, a lot of them went to the Freemasons, and um, they had already been influenced heavily by the Luciferian doctrine when they were in the Middle East. So they they believed that Lucifer was the the true God, and um, of course they couldn't say that openly. But the same the same is true with the um, what do you call the uh, not the Rosicrucians the uh, Jesuits. The, the Jesuits, yeah, they they are rumored yeah. to be in control of a lot, basically everything. Yeah. Basically everything, including I think it was eighteen hundred something. They took control of the Vatican. That's why you see the first Je- Jesuit pope has said twice now publicly that that Lucifer is the father of Christ. It's not true, but that's what he's saying. Yeah, the Vatican has been out of control lately, as you well already <laughs> know. You know they've been yeah, they've been partying a little too much. Um, yeah, but the, and you gotta look at the banking. The banking is done by the Rothschild family, which is an extension of Luciferian empire. I mean, this, this is really the three strongholds of Lucifer here on this world is the Vatican, London, and Washington, D.C. They're all set up the same way. And that is either satanic or Luciferian, depending on how you want to look at it. There's really no difference in my mind between Satan and Lucifer. I mean, Lucifer has a lot of different names. The angel uh, of light, yeah. Well, I, titles, yes. Father of all lies, prince of darkness. Even though he's a, he's also the light bearer. He's a prince of darkness. There's a weird one. Um, but he's also known as Loki, Ea, Ptah, and a host of other names. Um, but it's the same guy. Right, Lord of the Air and Lord of. Um... Oh no, that's his. Yeah, that now there's a little confusion on that. Yes. The the the, the writings of Zachariah Sitchin are Luciferian. They're all designed to promote Enki, who is Lucifer. And if, 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 yeah, if Sitchin had the, just... Yankee's yeah, the lord of the earth and water. Yeah, and if, he, if Sitchin had just come out and said, well, here's my Luciferian teachings, um, I don't think that would have been received very well, but he did it very surreptitiously, and, and he didn't do it alone. He had help from Jordan Maxwell and people directly in the Vatican uh, and the, the, uh, the Rothschild family. They were the ones that um, handpicked him as a young man living in Palestine, not much money or influence, took him and gave him a scholarship to the London School of Economics, owned by the Rothschilds. Classmate was George Soros, um, just a just a real lovely man. Um, and so, Very lovely man. Yes, right. So you can kind of see the, the, the sort of people that come out of that school. 
Uh, I think Mick Jagger was another one. But you, you mentioned Jordan. You, you mentioned what? Jordan Maxwell, and mm-hmm. I thought he was someone who was against that. You would think so. Yeah, that he he would mm-hmm. like. To, look, a lot of people in this field are um have been compromised, and um you know Jordan was also very close with um Manly P Hall, mm-hmm. who was yes <laughs> involved in all kinds of weird stuff. But uh yeah, so look, I don't think he. Here's the thing. The guy that introduced me personally to Zachary Sitchin was a, a, a Freemason who was on the inner circle, the inner circle, which is not yes. the rest of the people. He, he really knew what was going on in the inner circle. He was also an, um, an, an operative for the CIA. And um, he gave me Sitchin's phone number and address. We corresponded. We spoke. We met. And... Um, I didn't know anything about Sitchin at that time. You know, I mean, I'd read all, I had a lot of his stuff. I read, every, I read everybody's stuff. Yeah, I, it doesn't and, mean I believe it. Right. And Robert, too, just, just to take a one quick step back here. Sure. When did you become interested in all these subjects? Well, it was, I was, like, I was, I've always been a voracious reader since I was a little boy. I mean, really little. Mm-hmm. We, okay. we didn't, we couldn't get much television or even radio where I was in Malibu at the time, in the 60s. So, um, uh, I would go to the library and read books. I mean, I, I still do it. I'm reading like three, four books at a time. Right. Uh, okay. Just kind of jumping back and forth between them. And I just, look, I investigate everything, but I believe nothing. I'm looking for clues and they're scattered all over the place. So to me, what I'm doing is sort of like I have a rough idea of, of what I'm trying to figure out here. And when I find a piece, that I think fits the puzzle that I'm putting together. I, you know, I grab it and I hold on to it and put it in a stack and try to make sense of it over time. But uh, I need to get back to Sitchin. One more piece of the puzzle with him was that the lost book of Enki, a lot of people don't understand that that's fiction. And it says so right there in the foreword by Sitchin. He says, this is what I think Enki would have said, but it's written like all the other books. Right. Okay. So people need to bear that in mind that, uh, he had that ability, but, he, and he was being helped by the Vatican. I know that, uh, I saw a documentary recently. Uh, he, two of his friends were being interviewed in Italy and they said, yeah, um, not only was he getting artifacts and assistance from the Vatican directly, but, um, uh, uh, one of his friends had said, Sitchin never wanted to admit this, but towards the end of his life, when he was having heart problems, I, one of these Anunnaki, showed up in his bedroom, just manifested in his bedroom and said, you need to go to the hospital now. Wow. This is what this friend says. And he says it with a kind of smile on his face, like like it was some sort of divine intervention. I don't know how much longer his life was prolonged after that, but he did need, he did need heart surgery. He was, he was very close to death when this entity showed up. I, I doubt that was the first time that they had you know, directly... Uh, manifested in front of him. So he was complicit with the Luciferian agenda. A hundred percent. Oh, no. But he was, yeah. And the thing is, you know, if you read his stuff, he, he believes exactly what he's saying is, is for our own benefit. The way he presents it, I mean, he was essentially a pawn of the Archon. And I kind of like the guy, but I always, especially when I met him personally, I thought, geez, this, there's something really weird about this guy. I just got such a vibe from him. You had that uh, gut reaction, right? Yeah. And, and honestly, when I, I, the only reason I wanted to see him was because I had this artifact that was, uh, 
what he would consider to be like a Sumerian seal uh, of the belt stars of Orion that I was given this from, and it was made in Malibu a long, long time ago Interesting. By, a sec- by a secret society. And when I showed him that, he he <laughs> he was stunned. He really was genuinely freaked out by it. And he says, you must find more of these. And I'm like, well, um, <laughs> I didn't find it. Right. You know, this was a gift. And I mean, I don't know. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'll find more. Yeah. You know, I, I've never heard that before. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, what, the artifact or Sitchin? Uh, well, both. I, I, I didn't know that he was, like I mentioned to you a second ago, I didn't know he was complicit with this nefarious oh. agenda. It's, well, yeah, I mean, it's, so they, they picked him very carefully to do, to be a spokesperson promoting Enki, you know, and it's, this is typical of how he operates. He, like I told you, they need to, us, to, they want, they need to control us. And this is all goes back to what I learned about specifically the day I was having that event that I intervened. These entities feed off of a negative energy. That our bodies emit through our DNA when we hurt ourselves or others. It can be something as mild as, you know, somebody sending you a, uh, some troll sending you a nasty email or something. You know, you get that kind of, your heart races and your gut feelings tightens. And I mean, that's just, a, that's enough right there for them to start feeding off of, because our, our DNA is constantly emitting light. And, but it's usually when we're happy and stuff that that's, that's a beneficial light that's being emitted from us. But when we are traumatized, it shifts. The frequency changes, and that is the energy that they feed off of. When was the last time you had contact with this entity? <laughs> Which one? Enki? Yes, Enki. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, as I said, when I finally figured it out, uh, that was 2014. So, yeah, approximately. Um, uh, I was kind of upset. I guess you imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, right? for sure. Right. Yeah. I, but, um, okay. So the, the first time was 1985, September 21st. And then how, I don't know, a couple months you, later. How old were you, by the it, way, when that happened? I, I was time. 25. Oh, okay. So you were just, uh, bright eyed. I guess. I mean, I'd had some other rather bizarre. In fact, 10 years earlier, I'd been in the Great Pyramid. Oh. And, okay. um, uh, had an out of body experience there. It was completely spontaneous and, was during the daytime completely freaked me out. I, I was in the Jesus. I would have freaked out too. Yeah, I mean, I was only fifteen, so I right. and I mean, I'd kind of, I kind of had an interest in everything. I, there was no nothing that was off limits to me. But mm-hmm. when I went into the to the um, what they call it up the grand gallery into the so-called king's chamber, uh, and uh, the I wasn't with a tour, but there was a tour in there. Right. The tour, the tour guide. A local guy in a white robe and he, and the thing on his head, he, um, he struck that stone box with a wooden mallet and it rang like a tuning fork. And it is, I believe they said it's F sharp, F flat, something like that. Anyway, it has a certain key note and it was, I was listening to it as it was, the energy was literally spiraling around the room. And as that was happening, my vision went completely white. At least that's what it felt like to me. I didn't know that's typical of an out-of-body experience where you you start to see into another dimension. And um, the next thing I know, I felt like I was outside the pyramid looking in. And and uh, there was, and I looked to my side 
right, right, left. I'm like, what is going on here? And I saw some of these uh, so-called Egyptian gods. And the next thing I know, I was back and coming back into the pyramid. And I remember my ears, I remember there was a really bad hissing sound. I mean, it was, um, I don't know what that was. I mean, other than there must have been some sort of energy that was, in other words, I, I wasn't just hearing the energy as a note. I, there was some other overtone that was creating this hissing sound in my ears. And um, I was completely shocked by that. But I guess it was an initiation of some kind to sort of prepare me. You know, I've had strange experiences in my life as well. And mm. I've always been skeptical, even though I had a shared experience with someone very close to me mm. and a, a great ball. Well, I would, I don't know if it was a ball of light, but it was a great light emitted in, in the entire room. Everything went pitch white, kind of like what you just described. And mm-hmm. I wasn't the only one in the room. And um, we both, uh, we both experienced this and we kind of sort of just brushed it off for a few minutes. And then we thought, what the hell just happened? So, right. You know, I, I understand the whole shock element of all this for you. Yeah. I mean, right. And, you know, when it first happened uh, in Egypt, I, I could not dismiss that. It was so bizarre. Oh, how can you? Yeah. Well, I mean, I just knew something weird happened. And uh, I was looking at all the people that were in the tour and I'm thinking, did they all see that, too? Did they? What happened right. here? And then I went over and I tried to speak to the tour guide and he, he didn't speak much English. He didn't know what I was talking about. Uh, and actually I didn't either. I, it, it didn't, I didn't get anything out of it. Mm-hmm. So again, I had to kind of, I, I remember asking my dad recently if anything weird was going on. What, cause they stayed outside. My parents and my sister, they did not come in. They refused oh, to go inside. Really? Wonder why? I have no Spooked idea. a little bit there. Well, he's, that's what my dad said. When I came out, he said, I look very spooked. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, and he said something must have. He said you look really freaked out. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. I was uh, definitely. <laughs> that is kind of wild. There, there's a lot of strange things that goes that go on out in Egypt. Yeah, oh, very God. strange history, as you know. And yeah, uh, by the well, way, it's part of it. It was part of Atlantis, right? Which was all a creation of Enki. And um, after he took control, he and his crew, his immediate uh, subordinates, they they. Uh, they they took control of this world by force, and and that's where he instituted what we consider to be Atlantis, which was not a small island in the Atlantic. It was a global empire that was connected to off-world empire or other planets, not only in the solar system but throughout the galaxy, which is again it's all under his domain or um, influence. Yeah, there's a pyramid in Egypt called Abydos. Very, mm-hmm. very old. I'm sure you've heard about it. And there's oh, these yeah. old hieroglyphs of these, I guess you could describe them as jets and planes and other unusual things like that, a helicopter rather. Um, yeah. Isn't that odd? Oh, well, not really, because the, the level of technology that Atlantis had was equal to, if not greater, than what we have now. There because was also we are, a, oh, because sorry. we are, not sorry, we are the new Atlantis. Yeah, there was also some uh, supposed portal in that pyramid as well. Um, there's portals all over the planet. It's whether you can access them. Most humans are, don't have the ability to access it. Um, we're not we're not in control of those things, but somebody is clearly. Do you think that might have been the case for you? You might have tapped into some sort of frequency when you were out there. 
by accident. I don't know. I, I don't know, but it was very brief. It was just enough sort of like dipping your toe in a, in the ocean, just going, wow, you know. Yeah, getting okay, a small but, little taste of it there. Yeah, just, just enough to know. And, but yeah, so 10 years later, when I had the experience on top of the mountain, which again, the pyramid is just a, a man-made mountain. And what it does is it focuses the energy to another level, a higher frequency. Um, and so when I was up there alone on that mountain, I was raising my vibratory rate because I was sitting on the ground and chanting Om and, um, uh, projecting on that frequency that I was creating, I was projecting one thought and that was love because I had come to the conclusion that what it, I had experienced with that boy and his grandparents earlier that day was evil. I, I just intuitively sensed that something evil was going on with that boy. Um, I, I much later I, I re- realized that he, those parasites were not only real, but that it was Lucifer Enki that created them and brought them to this world and that, um, they have the ability to uh, whisper into the minds of men. So they were influencing that boy to, to, to hurt himself. And in the process, they were having a feast. And I interrupted it, you know. Um, so. Yeah, and you know, yeah. all of this stuff actually drove you to become suicidal at one time. Is that correct? Um, Sort of. Okay, so that was 85. Then by 1990, I'd been doing a lot of research. And, uh, the winter of 1990, I was, I was very ill and, um, with bronchitis. I was laying in bed and, uh, I remember at the moment I was thinking, I was, I'd been researching about androids and abductions and trying to co- make a correlation between the two. And so I remember thinking to myself, I am not sorry for looking into this. I have a right to know if this is going on. I have a right to know this. Right. Okay. And, and then the phone rang and, um, so I picked it up. And there was a, what sounded like a male voice. There was no greeting. It was already in mid-sentence. It was speaking very loudly and I'm listening and it was speaking a language that I had never heard about. That was 1990. Remember, I, I'd already been to 57 countries, so I should probably recognize it as some other earthly language, but I could tell it wasn't. There's nothing I'd ever heard before. And I, there was a lot of mechanical machinery in the background and I'm listening to this person or what sounded like a, a male voice. And the only thing I could intuit out of it was it was pissed off. Whoever it was, or whatever it was, was pissed off. And I, the only thing I could think to say at the moment was, I'm sorry. And then I hung up the phone, and then I thought, oh, crap, they did it to me. They, because I already knew that they were, they were, um, they'd already, they'd already showed to me that they could hear, listen in on my thoughts. They proved that to me concretely, which freaked me out. That was another experience, but up in the mountains. But, um, so <laughs> I felt completely violated. Um, and their goal, they obviously didn't want me looking into that. And, uh, uh, I felt they broke my spirit and I lost hope for myself and all humanity at that point. And that's when, that's when I had the, uh, I thought, well, I want, I just want out of here. Okay. Get me out of here. And I, I, I thought I was going to, um, walk off a cliff oh up my. in Malibu, very close to where I'd had this encounter with Lucifer, oddly enough. <laughs> so I think they, they were pushing me, literally trying to push me over the edge and it worked. And so, uh, that's when I had a divine intervention with a benevolent being. Um, I didn't go to Malibu, oddly, for whatever reason, I ended up going to a place called Pinnacles National Monument, which is right on the San Andreas Fault. 
Um, it's below San Jose, I believe. Mm. I think I'm, I could be wrong, but I know it's in that general area. And, um, it's sort of like the, the monuments in Malibu. And as far as the, the cliffs, there's these volcanic like outcroppings. And so I was going to, I figured, well, my friend, my friend had told me, he says, hey, I'm going to this place and you want to come camping? And I said, yeah, okay, let's do it. And I didn't tell him I was going to walk off a cliff there, but that's what, <laughs> my, that's what I was intending to do. My goodness. I'm so glad you, you didn't do that, Robert. You would have mortified <laughs> everyone. Well, no, I don't think so. Nobody knew me at that point, especially not in this regard or this context, right? I mean, I, I hadn't gone public yet. And so, um, but I was about to. Well, I mean, I meant you would have mortified like your family, Robert. Oh, 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 yeah, of course. Of yeah. Course, of course. But mm-hmm. at this point, at that point, like I said, they, the dark forces had de- deliberately done that to me and they, they were succeeding. They were really uh, after you, Robert. Well, I, I, I touched on something that they they felt uh, threatened by it. So, um, and the thing is, they thought they they thought they had me too. I really am sure that they they thought they had me um, up until that point. Um, you know, they were trying to steer my thinking, control my thoughts. So, what happened was that night before I was gonna walk off the cliff the next morning, um, I was laying on the ground. It was freezing cold. I, I told you I had bronchitis. It was, I didn't really care though. At that point, I was like, Hey, how much worse could it be? I get pneumonia and I walk off the cliff. But, um, <laughs> I'm laying there and I had a lucid dream where I woke up. I guess technically another out of body experience is what that is. So like, but I knew I was having a lucid dream. And it was kind of weird because I'd never been there, but I, I was, I could see the surroundings before I went to sleep. So I knew where I was. So when I woke up, so called woke up in my dream, I went out of body. I, I could recognize the campground, et cetera. By the way, Robert, but, are, are you having yeah. these lucid dreams in black and white or in color? No, it was color. Awesome. And, awesome. Okay. I'm, I'm feeling the story. Yes. <laughs> well, so the thing was, I noticed that there was somebody standing off in the distance under a grove of trees and near some very large rocks. And I thought, wow, what is that person doing out here at night? And, uh, for some reason, I was very attracted to go over there, very curious. And then it was this woman, which I can't remember her face. I think she did that to me deliberately. She doesn't want to be known. Yeah, that happens. I've, she she mm-hmm. did not give me a name. She would not let me see her face or remember her face, I should say. But here's what's weird is when I approached her and I looked at her, I mean, she was she was wearing something like unusual, like a Roman toga kind of thing. That's probably not the best example, but like that. And it was, but it was sort of a greenish, sheer kind of very unusual looking garment, you know, right off the bat. You're like, what is, what's going on here? Right. Uh, uh, and, uh, she said to me, if you decide to stay, we will do everything we can to help you, which I, okay. I don't even know who this is. And they're like, it's obviously she read my mind or they, whoever they are, uh, was, they were watching everything unfold as well and knew I was what I was going to do. And, and uh, so, but the, when she said this and the way she said it, it, it like restored my hope. It did. It restored my hope. Cause I thought this is exactly what I wanted to, I see part of the reason I had given up hope was cause I thought, well, nobody, no earthly uh, agency can deal effectively with what's going on here. I had come to that awareness and it, it bothered me greatly because I figured, well, you know, what, what, what can I do? One person, if there's nobody else or no one, no, nothing else to call on. Right, right. 
You know, because honestly, I didn't believe that. Oh, what are you going to you going to call God or Jesus? I mean, what? The, okay, maybe that works for some people. I wasn't at that point. Yeah, I, I did. That wasn't that didn't seem like a, a really viable, option. very tangible. Yeah. Okay, it didn't make any sense to me. It wasn't the answer I was looking for. Anyway, she said that if you decide to say we will do all we can to help you, and I was like, whoa, okay, I don't know who you are, but that's a good thing. If you really, if you if you're gonna help, then okay, then I I'll stick around because there's definitely a problem here. And um and then she said she held out her hand and there was this bizarre looking crystal. I now know that that it was a tesseract. In Sumerian texts, these are called the, um, it's written as M-E. They're known as, also known as the Tablets of Destiny, even though they're uh, not yeah, tablets. Right. Okay. But these this. are, um, I didn't know this either until just last recently when I was watching, um, uh, the Avengers. When Loki, he comes down, he brings a Tesseract with him. I'd never even seen it. Well, I, I'd never seen it before. But right. when she showed it to me, it was weird because it had, it was, it looked, it had dimensions. I look. I've always collected crystals. I know crystals. But when she held it out, I'm looking at it. I go, I couldn't understand it because I'd never seen anything like that before at the time. Uh, like and like I said, until I finally finally saw it in the movie with Loki again, Lucifer. He had one of these things. Apparently, all these gods have access to that level of technology. And it's a tesseract is basically what we're now calling a quantum computer. And it's used for all kinds of things like controlling weather, controlling mind control. Healing, communications, weapons. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing technology and it's portable, but it looks like a crystal. Okay. But it's not just a crystal. It's multi, it's interdimensional. And that's the weird thing about it. Okay. I mean, when it's operational, it's, it, even if you see it as a cube, it's actually um, more than one shape at the same time and it's rotating. So therefore the, it's like, it appears to be faceted, even if it's just a, like you could say, oh, it's just a cube. No, it's not. You got to look inside. There's a cube within a cube and it's rotating and it's like, <laughs> it's, anyway, at the time when I first saw it, I was, I was curious. Hey, I love crystals. Somebody shows me a crystal. Hey, touch this. Oh, all right. And, uh, Jesus, uh, it, it was like jump starting a car. I, I had, she didn't warn me that was going to happen and it just like, it, the energy that came into my body, I don't think it was just energy. I really think there was a download that happened at that point. Um, because they thought, well, look, if he, from, I'm guessing now, but I, I think they thought, well, if he's agreed to stay, this is part of our, <laughs> this is how we can help. You know, we're going to load you up with a bunch of stuff. Sure. And then it's not going to make sense right at the moment, but eventually it will, you know, and then you can share it with other people. And it's sort of like, priming the pump i guess i don't know it's i'm not i'm not really describing it very well but um that happened the very next thing i know i set up (laughs) i sort of came i came slamming back into my body and uh i i felt better obviously i you know i was not going to follow through with the the uh the other plan and and i i healed very quickly and i found that when they said that they would help me i i started to realize started to to look at things differently and realize that they had actually been helping me all along. I just didn't know it. They don't, they don't want publicity. It's very dangerous for them to, to even be here on any level. Um, so I think, in fact, I'm sure that the events that happened in 1985, part of it was, like I said, when, um, when I first went out of body, I was in a realm of light and then 
he came up and confronted me. Mm-hmm. And I use that word specifically because that's what was going on. He didn't say, I'm here to confront. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> right. He, but he was doing it. He was intimidating me. And I, uh, um, the, when he, he said, I'm the father. And then he started laughing in this very sinister way. Um, uh, I mean, really kind of psychotic. I, the next thing I know, I sat up, bolt upright, and I thought I just had a weird, like, uh, vision. I didn't understand until I looked up at the sky and, and I could tell the moon had moved from directly overhead to, to almost now setting on the horizon, which meant hours had gone by. And I freaked out because I'm like, wait a second, what the, how could I go from being completely lucid to nothing? You know, that's not how it normally works. Uh, and, and, um, so when I went back to work the next day, uh, I had an experience with, uh, a, uh, a girl that I knew said she saw me in a dream and I taught her how to fly. She oh was, God. she, she, yeah. And she said, I took her to the mountains and taught her how to fly. Well, I was like, what? Um, cause I, I didn't tell her anything. She came up and told me. Yeah. Sometimes our right? astral, our astral bodies, uh, they appear in other people's dreams at times that we know. Well, yeah, we but I mean, this was so specific yeah, and it was that's the, even creepier. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, but there was, here's, I'm trying to get to a, um, <laughs> I'll make, this is going to make sense in a minute. Mm-hmm. So her house was only about five miles southeast of where I was that night on the mountain. Okay. So logistically it was, I, I was very near. This made sense. If I was going to do that in an astral plane, yeah, I, I would go visit. I, I visited some people. Why, why I was not permitted to remember any of it, I think was Lucifer himself just right. didn't want me to know. Okay. Didn't I think he does know. it to everybody. I think that's part of the, the agenda here. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's we either, either prohibited or inhibited from, from doing that because it would make it much harder for them to control us naturally. Yeah. They so, deceive us well. Yeah. yeah. Very uh, well. Uh, so, so she was all excited. She tells me this and then this is the next day in the afternoon. Then I, after work, I went home and my grandmother called me and she said she had seen me in her dream in her bedroom that night, the same night. Uh, and she said it was the most beautiful dream she'd ever had. Um, that I was all lit up like a Christmas tree. Oh. She described it with <laughs> lights dancing all around me. And she said, I was, t- I was telling her something, but she couldn't remember what it was, but she had to tell me about this dream. And it was the first and only time she ever, ever, ever talked to me about her dreams. Right. And she lived about five miles north of where I was that night in the mountains. In fact, where she was living, uh, she actually had a, um, out of one of the, the picture windows in the, the backyard, she could actually see those mountains where I was. She didn't know that I was up there. I'm just saying that that's what happened. Right. And then I thought, Oh my God, you know, this cannot be uh, a free coincidence that two women that I know would basically say the same thing on the same night about me. I was obviously visiting people. Yes. When I was out of body. So what happened though? I, in retrospect, I'm sure that this was the work of the, that, that entity, that woman or whoever they, whoever she represents. I do think they're the benevolent ones. And without that, um, I would have dismissed all the other stuff that had happened. I wanted to really go into deep into denial about that, those events because I had no context, no support whatsoever, um, for dealing with it. I just wanted to put it behind me, um, cause it made me feel very strange to say the least, um, disturbed, right? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't get any stranger than that. 
I guess it could. I just I didn't want it to get any stranger than that. You know, it I didn't. I didn't does, ask. Does unfortunately. I mean, the thing is, I didn't ask for any of this as far as I know. But I, I again, this conflict. Some people call it a war in heaven. Has been going on for a very long time, in relative terms, the way we look at, you know, time here, just very misleading. But in, 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 nonetheless, um, he Anki started this this war, and uh, it came to this world, and we're all basically involved in it on some level. Most of us aren't aware of that, or don't want to believe it, but we are. So the thing about it, what was so shocking though, uh, was that I was in, I was in very close to a state of bliss immediately before that boy ran into that sliding glass door and crashed through it with his Ooh, face. Right. Broke it with his face, you know, and started bleeding to death right there. Uh, I, so the juxtaposition, right? The contrast was so stark. I was, I remember thinking to myself, I am glad to be alive, which is a weird thing to think, you know? I mean, it's a weird thought when you stop and really analyze it, but I was so, I felt so, uh, I was happy to be on the beach that day because it was very beautiful. The weather was gorgeous. Uh, I remember that, you know, I had gone surfing and that, that always made me feel better, but it was great because it was not crowded. So I wasn't, bu- it wasn't busy. I didn't have to supervise a lot of people. Um, and, I, but it was just, it was a moment. It was a moment. You had okay, a moment of clarity. Moment. Yeah. Well, I felt very connected to the to the energy of the nature, and I thought, God, this is so beautiful. I'm glad to be alive here at this in this moment, you know. And then, bang! It just went just like shifted into this ugly demonic death ritual. I was like, what? I mean, and you know, when it was so weird too, because I remember as it happened, everything for me slowed down, which is weird because I wasn't. You know, they say that about people like in car accidents and stuff that somehow it's it, like, it, yeah, yeah. But I wasn't in the accident; I was observing it. But somehow it was drawing me in. For some reason, it was draw just sucking me into that that thing, uh, that event, and it 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 just it imprinted on me so strongly. Um, uh, somebody recently told me that uh, it that I have post traumatic stress. I don't know. I mean, look, I'm okay with it. It's just, it's so indelibly yeah. ingrained into my psyche. It became part of me so much. I mean, it's not the only weird thing that's happened before or since, but it was so profound that I, there's just no way I could, uh, dis, well, I, I wanted to dismiss it, like I said, but then somehow the intervention happened again. And it was very subtle, like it usually is with them. There was no pressure. Just like, oh, and by the way, this is what you were doing. <laughs> case, case you're wondering, here's part part of what you were yeah. up to last night, you know. And and it, it it boggled my mind, honestly, especially coming from my grandmother. And because it, you know, it took it took a minute for the the brain to fully comprehend, comprehend right. it. That wait a second, you're telling me this is real, and I and like, there's no place from there's absolutely no place I can hide from what you just said coming from her. She was my grandmother, but she raised me. I mean, it was just like, uh, and she's a very spiritual, loving woman. And for her to say that is like, uh, okay, now what do I do? <laughs> what do I do with this? <laughs> Shoot. Yeah. By the way, how are you sleeping nowadays? Oh, fine. Here yeah. Well, good. I mean, I, I, I'm always, always been a light sleeper. I, cause I guess there's weird stuff going on around me and, um, I'm pretty well connected to a lot of levels 
And uh, so there's a lot of activity going on. I tend to wake up. That was the other weird thing. I mean, how I could go for like three or four hours laying. I was actually laying on a concrete slab. And, yeah, I was tired at that point. But, I mean, to sleep that long on that concrete way slab. didn't make any sense at all. It really made no sense. This is just so out of character. And I also know that, you know, the way that the modern medical profession would view this is that they would call it a hypnagogic hallucination. <laughs> and that's fine. They can, right. they can use those terms that make them feel comfortable, but I know they are invalid. Okay. So I don't have any credibility. Because they have all the credibility. They set themselves as the ultimate arbiters of reality. But I'm telling you from my perspective, I mean, many decades of research now and experiences, they are completely wrong. I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. Yeah, it's too bad because the so-called mental health profession, the original name of psychiatrist was alienist. It literally means to bind alienist. And, um, <laughs> Because in a court of law, they can, they have the legal authority to have a person, uh, imprisoned for their own safety and the well-being of others. They don't enforce it as much as they used to, but, uh, these are not good people, in my opinion. I've also heard you say things like all religion and secret societies originated with Lucifer. Yeah. I, I think there might be a lot to that if you even go back and read the Old Testament. Oh, especially the Old Testament. I mean, and that is, that, this is where I get point. into lots of arguments with many pastors <laughs> if they have yeah. the courage to get into this with me, which many yeah. of them don't. Uh, I, I've talked to many local pastors about this and I bring up the Old Testament and of course they try to dodge and duck their way out of this conversation all the time. Right. But sometimes, Naturally. sometimes they fall into it. And I must say, we get into this whole conversation of, Whose morality is actually correct here, basically. Mm-hmm. And usually I say, well, I think I am more morally in tune with reality than you are. And then, of mm. course, that's when we start fighting. Right. And then, of course, I have to say, well, if you go with the Old Testament, then that means you are complicit with Exodus 21 and the slavery. Mm-hmm. And it says clearly to uh, basically what slaves to buy from the heathens around you. Deuteronomy. <laughs> to like trick the fellow up, you Jew. Can su- and, I could sum it up right. a lot more quickly than that, which is thou shalt not kill unless. <laughs> uh, there you go. See what I mean? You, you can't. See, this is where I get into these huge arguments with people that are ultra-religious. Yeah, there's so many levels of deception. It's really mind-boggling, you know. And as much as I want to um, speak about it with Publicly, I realize how uncomfortable it makes people. Oh, it makes people lose their minds. Well, yeah, because we've been programmed to believe things a certain way in order to serve the Archon agenda, which is the Luciferian agenda. And just like, look, for myself, I didn't want to believe that that this entity that I say confronted me, because I'm sure that's what he was doing. He also confounded me uh, for almost 30 years into thinking that he was God, and he is the God of the the Old Testament. Um, he also believes he's the father of mankind because he saved us. Well, actually, he started genetically changing every, all the life when he showed up here during the Atlantean time, and that what's, is what led to the Great Flood. 
um, his family were, they were threatened by him and the, the military forces he built here, the technology was all military and designed to serve him and, and ultimately put him on the throne and thrown him as the king of, of the, you know, the empire that bore him, where he was born as a prince when he, he was, he was denied kingship, my understanding. Now that's a deviation from the Christian version. I get the Christian version, okay? I'm not sure which one is correct. Mm-hmm. I can't really tell anymore. Although, I think I sent you some of these Gnostic teachings that were sent to me recently. Uh, yes. Did I send you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't, again, I don't accept all of that, but it's very fascinating to read, um, that as you delineated, that <laughs> it is Enki in the Old Testament. It's something completely different when we're talking about the New Testament. And the uh, the Gospels, the good news of Christ. Well, people that, pick and choose these things. Like I they understand. Do, uh, I understand. A, a Chinese menu. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a smorgasbord. It yeah, they really can just is. do whatever. Right. But uh, from my understanding at this point is that, I mean, I, I knew we were seeds of light, those of us who are souls here in this synthetic creation of Enkis. Um, I knew there was something greater. I knew that there was a a creator or creators that were not crazy, I mean, criminally insane like Enki, and that um, that everything in this world is an illusion, it's an aberration, it's been corrupted. And and so, um, and the part of the reason I know this is because these divine beings that have touched my life, I mean, touched my heart, my soul, uh, they, uh, they've given me insights that uh, it's more of a, a remembrance. It's a way of reconnecting with family. And, it's it's criminal to to take somebody away from their family and then deny them the right to have that kind of connection and communion. Um, but that's what's being done here. And so again, there's a lot of confusion. That's another thing. The the, the Bible is a compilation that it, of of different books that has been encrypted. And so some of the information is what we would consider to be accurate and very empowering. Most of it though is is very um uh devious and dark and very confusing very, very dark. confusing yeah. yeah yeah i mean so um this is why i'm an, an agnostic atheist robert <laughs> to be completely honest with you and i know i'm going to get a lot of heat for, no, for this episode funny. that's funny me too okay so yeah if you have to right if you have to give na- labels cuz I, I know that's a big thing on this people world. love labels so you know yeah 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 you gotta throw it up right there. It's, you know, and the thing about that is just because they want to put things in a box, there's a, such a severe case of cognitive, cognitive, cognitive dissonance, dissonance going on. Correct. Yeah, it's like, hey, that's too much information. Can we just break it down and put it in a little box over here so I can kind of feel comfortable with it? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. Agnostic, <laughs> <laughs> atheist. Okay. Well, yeah, I would, I could identify, I do identify with that as well. But I got to tell you that prior to, I think it was very, very, just a few days before I had that whole situation where I got that phone call that pushed me over the edge. Right. I was um, stopped by somebody in the street who was evangelizing and he he was, (laughs) we had a conversation and he said, look, just put your name in the book of life. Right. And I thought, okay, what could that hurt? Really? He wasn't asking for, that's not asking a lot. I just sort of like an insurance policy. I thought, okay, I could do that. 
right? We just, what do I do? What, what do you need me to do? Okay. And you told me, I'm going, yeah, I can do that. Come on. Yeah. I'll repeat after you. Sure. Accept Christ as my savior. I, and okay, good. Now your name is in the book of life. I think it, it all felt too simple. It was, it felt actually a little silly, but I'm, I think in retrospect that that probably pissed somebody off quite a bit because the, the father that Christ talks about in the New Testament is not inky. That's something that only recently started to finally understand that there's two different presentations of Christ on this planet. Very distinct. The Gnostics had, were the originators of it and I think they were much closer to it and that's why they were completely eradicated and all of their scrolls were burned except for that, that small cache that was found in Nagamati, which I don't think is 100% accurate. I find it very suspect. Oh yeah, we destroyed all their stuff and just conveniently there's just have to be a bunch of some, you know, this, this little stash over here. And so we're supposed to base our knowledge of the Gnostics on that. It's like, it's like looking at the tip of an iceberg and going, Oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It really is. They knew something more. And, and, and you know what else is in, interesting that those teachings somehow endured underground sub Rosa, the, the, any, and every time a culture would accept or embrace the Gnostic teachings, the Catholic Church would be right there, try and plow them under, even if it meant just bloodshed, just rampant murdering people left and right. They didn't care. They would, they will. They did care. They didn't want it. They didn't want people realize, seeing through the, you know, the illusion. By the way, in your opinion, do you think the world would possibly be better off if all religion was banned? Uh, that's not going to happen. What if it was? It serves a purpose. Oh, what if it was? Okay, what if? Well, what if? Right. Um, you think some people would just go crazy? Uh, oh, well, they already are. They don't, and they don't realize that they're, this world is insane. This, this was the thing. When I started having those experiences and I did my, started doing my research, I realized at some point I was actually becoming sane in an insane world. And I could tell by the way when I, the, the, <laughs> when I would broach the subject to people, the reaction they would have was like, uh, Sometimes it's so extreme, like shock and horror. I'm like, what's the problem here? We're just having a discussion, you know, trying to figure this out. They, they were so repulsed by it, you know, and it wasn't vulgar. I didn't think, you know, it wasn't profane. It was just so like, like, like almost like, you know, when you have the opposite magnets, the, the polarity was right. just so, so harsh. And, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying I know who's saying it and it's insane, but here's the difference. People that are really, really part of the Luciferian agenda, that are subservient to it, uh, they're psychopathic, like he is. And the opposite of that, those of us who are souls here that are healthy, we are empathic. And so, so there's the polarity. You can, and again, you can tell them by their works or their fruits, as it says in the Bible. They, they, um, <laughs> it's not what they say. The reason they they put it like that in the Bible, you know them by their fruits, is because Psychopaths are really good at lying. I was just about and, to say these people are <laughs> psychopathic or psychological. Yes, they're psychological, yeah, so, pathological. All, so liars. all those little, yeah, I know. It's a, it's a pathology. Um, but it's, okay, those are just words we've come up with recently. I know the past, they sound very in, cute, don't they? I know, but in the past, our ancestors would have said, well, that person is possessed exactly. by un- unclean spirits, mm-hmm. you know, demons, jinn, whatever. Um, because they made a deal. They want to be part of the hierarchy that controls this world. The god of this world is Enki. 
And he's insane. He's a jealous God. He's good. He's evil. He's both. I mean, that's, that's completely unstable. And, um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, the, there are, uh, some, so psychopaths are very good at lying. Right. And you can't, you, so they could say whatever, they know what you want to hear, so they're going to tell you what you want to hear. And, and that's why we're being admonished to, um, judge them by their actions, not their words. Now, let me go on, on a little different route here very quickly. I'm very curious on your opinion on, on this issue here. Lately, there's been lots of talk about an alleged secret space program. Uh, um, yeah. What's your opinion on all of that, Robert? Well, as I said before, this is the new Atlantis. During Atlantean times, there were uh, what we would now call super soldiers. There was a space program. They did have artificial intelligence that was networked not only on this planet, but to other planets in the solar system and beyond. It was all part of his empire. That was destroyed to some extent. He rebuilt it. This is the thing that we need to understand. They are, they have been rebuilding it for ever since after the Great Flood. And um, that was a defensive act, not an offensive act that was done here by his family because he created this threat. Well, he's recreated that threat again. So, yes, there's a secret space program. Yes, there are super soldiers, uh, psychics, whatever you want to call them. Uh, all, and they're all networked with the AI systems that are very lethal, very dangerous. And and <laughs> unless more enough of us wake up and say, no, this shall not stand. I don't want this happening on my world. Um, there's going to be another serious uh, event here because his the divine ones have to protect themselves. So, yeah, it started, um, the secret space program, as far as I know, started mm-hmm. with the German secret societies. They were in touch with these uh, entities on Aldebaran, which allegedly is the headquarters of Enki. And that is in the eye of Taurus. So on uh, the constellation of Taurus, I should say, what some people call it the eye. But, uh, you know, he, he created a rebel empire that rivals his family, the Orion Empire, which still exists, and we used to be part of that. But um, So what I see coming here is very rapid. It, it, it seems like it's just going to come out of nowhere, but it's actually been planned for a long time, and they've been gradually implementing all of this, is that um, the Vatican knows, <laughs> this is why they built the Lucifer Telescope, right? Mount Graham in Arizona, they are w- watching for the return of Anki, and his immediate subordinates. And when they come, they'll be hailed as the return of the gods. And uh, the Vatican, the UN, will promote this. And then naturally the others will fall in line. But they will come at a time when of crisis and present themselves as our saviors. And I believe that the Vatican will also introduce at that time a false Christ. So um, as the son of Lucifer Enki. Yeah. Okay, so they will establish a one-world religion, one-world government, one-world military, which they've kind of been doing through the UN, but this is going to be on another level that the people can't even comprehend it because it will be not only on this world but in space. When do you see this event coming? It's very soon. Very soon. It's very soon. Yeah, it's like right around the corner. I mean, Ray Kurzweil would claim to 2045, but I think it's going to come sooner than that, so... In Earth terms, I, I mean, it's, 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 yeah, it's right around the corner. That's the only reason I've been talking about it. I know it sounds weird. Most people don't, 
aren't going to accept what I'm saying, and that's fine. But I know there are people who do get it. What I'm saying is very plausible. I understand. You also yeah. talk a lot about um, these, I guess you could say, these highly sophisticated, artificially intelligent robots here. Yeah, the right, the androids. Mm-hmm. The androids, yeah. And it's, it's very unusual just to see how humans actually use this technology, sometimes for good and sometimes for bad. And one of the weirder, one of the weirder, I guess you could say, functions for these robots are for lonely men in Japan. It seems like Japan is like leading the way in all this sophisticated sex robots and they want to implement artificial intelligence into these robots. And of course I had talked to a gentleman not that long ago, maybe about a month ago. He actually had his own little Android robot thing on his computer and he was using artificial neurons for it, which Mm. is interesting in itself. So if this guy could just easily do it on his, on his little laptop, I mean, you could just imagine what they really got out there. It's just, it's not out there. I'm talking about everything is in the network. Like, all this technology is a recreation of Atlantis. We're not fully there yet. We're close. We're really close. Um, as I say, a lot of the people that we, that we live with on this world are soulless. They are connected to a network. They are, um, Artificial life forms. Are you referring to politicians? Some of them. I don't know that all of them are. I, I don't know how you can identify that distinctly. And I think it's, it's a horrible thing, honestly, to even contemplate this, but I am starting to believe that that is the case. Um, there's a movie called Transcendence with Johnny Depp. I think kind of gives a very clear example of this, uh, through nanotechnology and AI and, um, these quantum computers. It's, it's all, the same thing okay i i tend to see things holistically and again when we're talking about an agenda like this it's it isn't just one thing it's everything it's multi-dimensional it's like a nine-dimensional chess game that it, it's not a game but i'm just saying that this is the conflict the way it's being played out it's uh it's rather complex but it's well coordinated and it's ancient so they have some, in some regard they have advantages over us because we're being denied a lot of information um, and we've been misled on top of it all. Not only do we not get the accurate information, we've been fed a bunch of lies through the media and politicians and religions, you know, I mean, um, even the legal system. Oh, there you go. Hold on. Just thought of something. Mm-hmm. You, you, yeah. In these Gnostic teachings, there was something here that really floored me about metaphorically about the, um, the so-called Garden of Eden, right? Oh, yes. The Garden of Eden. Which uh, yeah. means, uh, I believe Eden means flat terrain. Well, it, it, okay, but if it's a metaphor, that it may mean, it, it may, may mean, mean something else, yes. Entirely different, which is right. another dimension that we were not physical, right? Mm-hmm. At some point before entering that other state where he entices to take from the fruit of the, the tree of good, knowledge of good and evil. That was, Metaphorically, that was our entrance into his domain, into his empire. If you see, cause you see, it, it, it never talks about the, the tree of life. We're denied access to that here. And, and here's why. According to this Gnostic teaching I sent you, which is available, anybody wants to read these books, they're free. Right. They're in my, they're in my library now. Okay. So if you go to my website, eunuchismagazine.com, click on the library, you'll get it. You can 
you know, access to these books, uh, teachings. So here's the deal. The, the tree of good and evil, these are its fruits. Law, sin, ordinances, judgment, wrath, jealousy, rulers, controllers, pride, and death. Now, on the opposite side, which I believe we would have to call the New Testament, <laughs> the, the fruits of the tree of life are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, temperance, and life eternal. So um, <laughs> there's a huge difference. Major difference. Between, right. And the fact that this tree of life has been denied us is fascinating to me. I've often wondered what it was. I never thought it was a- actual tree or no, substance it, that we could consume. That right. all of these things are metaphors. And again, that's what I said about the Bible being encrypted. I believe the benevolent ones um, knew that their um, message would be altered, distorted, corrupted, whatever you want to call it. Man's word. So, right. Well, not just no, not just man. The men who are being manipulated. That too, yes. It's a little bit of both. Man's right. interpretation and something else because yes, that's not his own thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because these, right, not just the Luciferians, but these, these demonic mental parasites yeah. are very skilled at mimicry and manipulating our thought process. As the Muslims say, they can whisper into the souls of men, which I don't think is a good thing. Not at all, but very okay. accurate though. But, and when I say whisper, I mean, what I've experienced is they can mimic, they can mimic other people's voices, like, you know, uh, loved ones, mm-hmm. which completely messes with your mind. It really can, yes. If you, if you don't know that that's them doing that. You know, you know, you, you made me remember something when I was maybe seven, eight years old. I had spent the night at my grandparents' house and I was in a room sleeping with uh, with one of my uncles, he was on the bed and I was on the floor and I was asleep there and I, I heard this maniacal laughter outside the window there and mm-hmm. I always wondered what the hell that was and we both heard it and we both freaked out and of course nobody was around uh, at the time. Nobody would actually do that to us when we were that young to mess with us. So um you just made me think about that for some reason. Yeah, well, I guess I, I didn't really answer your question about when was the last time I had contact with Enki, and it would have been, uh, 2015 or 16. I was, it was awake at like three in the morning, and I was feeling kind of weird about the whole thing, mm-hmm. because it was like, um, unresolved. I felt unresolved, and I wasn't sure how to handle it, you know? But then I thought, well, I'm, st- I still have, just like, you know, if I got your email address, I can send you something, right? And, and so I dialed him up mentally. I visualized him again. And that's not the only thing he looks like. Okay. But he, cause he can take any kind of shape or form or whatever. He's really good at that. That's what I read. So, yes. The shapeshifter of sorts. But he, right. He is. And, um, so he, but he gave me an iconic connection to him as a father. So I did, all I had to do was mentally visualize him and I'm now sending something to him, whether he likes it or not or just deletes it. That's not my problem. The fact was I was going to, I was going to let him know. And I basically told him, look, uh, you can't fool me anymore. I know who you are. And if you want my help, I'm willing to give it to you, but it's going to be on my terms. You are not well. You're not even in control of yourself. And, um, and then I used a really cheesy thing straight out of Star Wars. I, said, <laughs> I, I, I feel 
there is still good in you. And because it's weird, it's like, I, I know he came from divine lineage that I really feel that's the case. And, um, and then he just went insane. Not, it's not a small thing, but it's, it's just a way of explaining his behavior and understanding him better. And, you know, he wants to pretend he's the father. Okay. Well, as a son to a father, sometimes it's different than one father to son. Okay. It's the dynamic is different in other words. And, and I know when I, when I had that final thought of, you know, I, I feel there's still good in you. Yes. I mean, part of, and part of him still is. Um, I, I had a huge flash of energy run up my feet all the way out my head. And I thought, whoa, uh, I know he got that message because <laughs> that, that was weird. I, that, that had never happened to me before. Not like that. And I thought, wow, I don't know wh- how he's going to handle that. Uh, but that was, that was the last time that I really, really made an effort to have any kind of contact directly with him. Yeah, that's, uh, that's very unusual to go through that. I, I can imagine, Robert. Well, look, somebody had to do it. Well, sure. I mean, may, maybe other people have. I mean, cause just, just blindly worshiping him, like, and I know some people do, cause they've written to me, and, like, how dare you? You know, he's well, this and that. I'm like, what I, <laughs> what I found out, well, what I found out was that 80% of these people that are religious actually don't really read their Bible. That's what Especially not with discernment. Oh, it's out true. of context too. And look, it was encrypted to protect things, but it was also very esoteric. Corrupted. Yes, yeah, but it was true. corrupted to confuse us by design. You know, I mean, the guy, the, the King James version. Oh, that's just a joke right there though. I know, but a lot, that's what a lot of people read. It's, and I, it's, it's a tragedy, really. It, it kind of is. It's a, but because, uh, Sir Francis Bacon was the guy that oversaw the editing of it. Uh, masterful author, definitely a, a, a writer extraordinaire, but still, he was a Rosicrucian, and I don't think he really gave a rip about, uh, the New Testament, specifically, or Christ. I think he just, you know, had some inner, uh, guidance that was, he was following. That I, again, I felt, I feel, look, I, I was recently given a copy of, uh, that, um, during Christmas here in Hong Kong of all things. These two little sweet little girls came up to me and said, here, would you like a Bible? <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, I'm not going to say go away, kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, they were really sweet about it. I'm like, okay, thank you. And it was all wrapped with a red bow and stuff. I'm like, oh, okay. Thanks, you know, and then I opened it and it said, this book is, a, this is a paranormal book. You must read it multiple times. And I'm like, wait a minute, are you trying to freaking hypnotize me? What's going on here? Wow. <clears throat> you know, and I was like, it's like every day you must read this repeatedly and, and, and it, it, it'll change you. I'm like, no, it's not going to do that. So I, I kind of jumped around. I read it through it. I was specifically, I was interested in these accounts and there's multiple accounts of of the life of Christ and they, they really don't all line up and they really don't make sense to me either. But I mean, the new Testament, man, I couldn't even read that. It was so dark. I was like, woof, this is not good. Whatever's going on here is just, it makes me feel awful. I'm not, I can't even read it. I didn't like it either. When I don't I, know anybody who does. When I read the, just, yeah, when I read the old Testament the first time when I'm actually old enough to know what's being said in it, I thought, <laughs> how can people actually go by this? Uh, blew my yeah, mind. Man. It blew my mind. I, I just thought, this is not the kind of God that I would believe in. Well, it's also why they didn't give you his real name in the beginning there. They don't say, he, they just call him Yahweh or Jehovah, but his right. real name is Enki. And that, I only saw that recently. I don't know why I was just surfing through, you know, YouTube 
And I, and I saw that and I went, what? And I mean, it was so blatant. I thought, oh, well, that figures, you know, it just figures. But I told you, this is how it is. You know, I mean, I never know from one day to the next or one minute to the next where new information is going to come from another piece of the puzzle. Yeah. It's going to help put things into the proper context, you know, and this is what's lacking here. Our so-called leaders are just misleading us. That's what they are. That's really yeah, what intentionally. They are. And they're getting rewarded for it too. This is the weird thing. They know it. This is they're all been compromised on some level through drugs. Yeah, they've all been yeah, whatever. they've all been corrupt. The the whole pedophilia yeah. thing's been running rampant for I don't know how long and the laws oh. simply they they protect these people that, that repeatedly commit these crimes. Yeah, I mean at least since Babylon um, that we know of. I think it was probably practiced back then in Atlantean days too. The reason is what I it came to my awareness recently is that Children have a different, um, they have a stronger connection to the cosmos, most of them, and um, their energy is, is just higher frequency. So when they traumatize the children, they can they get a lot of energy to feed off of. But they, there's also a dual edge to that. The ones that they don't actually kill and consume, they are um, infecting because this is pretty, I know it sounds pretty obvious when I say it to you, but it, it, when it, I first realized it, I was like, good Lord. Um, we know that uh, sexual diseases are transmitted through physical contact, right? What we, what we don't talk about is that these non-physical parasites can be transferred through sexual contact as well, even if it's not consensual. In fact, especially if it's not consensual, it's it's a predatory act. And these things are predatory. I mean, that's what a parasite is. So this is part of the dual purpose. They're not only feeding, they're breeding through those acts, okay? And yes, it helped, it corrupts. It, they use it to, for multiple purposes, but that was just when I realized that they were actually doing all of that. I mean, it made sense to me. It finally kind of answered some questions, but I was like, I was just nauseated by the whole thing. And unfortunately, we all have the old reptilian brain. <laughs> well, they want to tell us that. As if it matters, the brain is not end-all, be-all. Of uh, what One of the things I was shown is that we're all connected those of us who are souls here are connected to a web of light. I, I mentioned that because of the whole psychological angle. Sure. Yeah, they, they like to throw that uh, throw that around. Hmm. But the but the thing is that right. I know. I know. The mind yeah. is just a, a just a bunch of gray matter with electrical connectivity. Yeah, you know that's you know, mm -hmm. and it, right depending on the certain chemical chemistry, whatever. I it's just it, it's idiotic. I mean, it's so stupid. It it, it really defies belief that anybody would, would want to even accept that uh, as reality. But, okay. I say the same thing about those who use Occam's razor nonstop. I think mm -hmm. that's completely, completely lazy. Well, I mean, this is my argument about religion of faith. Blind faith mm -hmm. is, is still blind. Very blind. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, we have uh, the faculties of reason for or a reason. We should be able to... Uh, analyze and um, uh, make draw conclusions from facts, or at least temporarily draw some conclusions based on fact, not faith. Yeah, and side side question here, Robert. Go ahead. Um, you have a family and a wife. Mm -hmm. um, are you forcing religion onto your child? No. Not at all. No, no. Okay. My dad was a minister, Just and he didn't here. force it on me. Yeah, it's okay. It's a it's a valid question. I, I would never do that to anybody. Uh, I don't think that's just, I don't think, well, what's the point? 
So, well, to make know, me I, feel better? Right. And I ask this because there's lots of people that are atheists out there and mm. they at times make their kids, um, go into some sort of religion. Sure. And yeah, it's normal. Well, you could say misery loves company, but I know that's not why they do it. It's right. more, um, it's a comfort. Yeah. Uh, it's a group thing. They, they want, they feel, it's feel a like, community um, thing. Yeah. Yeah. The more people that believe it, the more real it must be, more accurate. True, it is, it's, right? So we're going to piss a lot of people off tonight, Robert. I'm sorry. Well, but you know, it's but like that's this. the way if it you, goes. That's the way it goes, if, though. If you're playing a video game by yourself, it's not as interesting or realistic as when you're playing with someone else or a group of other people, because that's what this is. It's a simulation. This isn't reality. Yes. In fact, this is some sort when, of matrix-like simulation. Yes, mainstream scientists are saying this increasingly. They're starting to figure it out. Uh, even the big tech guys are starting to realize they're all going to be replaced by AI. AI, yeah. Every, everything is going to be replaced by AI pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, and it's going to coincide perfectly dovetail with the arrival of the gods and this agenda that they – once they've got everybody or enough of us um, on board, that's when they will hit flip the switch into, oh, we found the ultimate enemy, which is um, – and Lil, and we have to kill them. And um, that's what they're going to try and do. It's I don't think it's going to work out too well. It didn't last time. It really didn't work out so hot. We had the Great Flood. Scientists call that the Younger Dryas event, by the way, if anybody wants to look it up. It was not a good thing. We were hit by a comet, which I believe was steered directly. You know, I had it, most comets, the vast majority of comets that come through the solar system don't hit a planet. This one was, this hit the heart of Atlantis off the east coast of America. It just devastated this planet and the entire solar system to some extent. So um by the way I'm not I, looking forward to that. Yes, I'm not at all either. And <laughs> <laughs> that that's nothing to look forward to. I, I was just curious, since we were talking about all these uh these awesome things with AI, well they're not that awesome, but no. In the realms of um film, there's a movie called The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Did you ever see that film? It Sounds had, familiar. It had Jim Carrey. It had Jim Carrey in it. It was kind of like a romantic uh, comedy thing, but it's kind of based around this machine that could erase memories. And Really? Yes, and I I guess they had this traumatic experience, they had this breakup and both of them went to this place to erase their memories. And, you know, interesting enough, there's scientists in, I think it's Japan of all places, that they have this machine where they're actually seeing your dreams or they're trying to see your dreams. And mm. I, I don't know if they are, are are hitting on anything that's accurate or not, but it is interesting that there's people out there that are trying to do these sort of things. Yeah, well, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. <laughs> well, that too, of course. <laughs> there's that, uh, but... I know they have technology to read our minds. I know they, they can also erase our memories or block them. I think it's more the latter. I think that they can block our memories. They, they can't fully probably, erase them because our memories are not in our minds. They, they Those probably have our souls. Yeah, they probably have so many different things out there that we have no idea about. Well, of course not. Well, why, why would they tell us? We're basically just servants, um, pawns, well, uh, yeah. subjects of an, of his empire. I mean, he does think he's the father and the savior of us. In his twisted mind, we are all pawns, and free thought yeah. is basically gone. Um, yeah, it's not encouraged, that's for sure. 
Not at all. And you know what? It it all happens with pre-programming. As soon as you turn on that television, (laughs) that's when it really happens. That's, that's, that's a big part of it in recent time. In the past, it was something different. I mean, again, I think this is kind of what religion was all about. Um, it's a way of programming and, um, also, uh, divide and conquer. That's been a big deal that they've, they've been very active in doing that to us, keeping us divided and, um, agitated, killing one another. It's a way of grooming over generations, these, these superior soldiers. Yeah. And you could just see the political spectrum of today where we see that now. We're so yeah. separated and want to harm one another. I don't right. personally, but I mean, you know, those yeah, out no, there are just so angry and, Yep. Bitter, and I, I don't understand what's going on with this country, but people don't are... Don't forget righteous. Are, yes, There's a righteousness. Lots yeah. of self-righteousness out there. Yeah, that's and, an important term. Mm-hmm, lots of deceivers out there. and Unfortunately. You, and you see them out there in the media parading around. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but they're also in the alternative media. I mean, this is the thing. This is... When I said... Look, I wasn't kidding when I said this world is insane because it's from... It's top down. The, the god of this world, Lucifer, Enki, Jehovah, whatever you can call him, is insane, criminally insane, suffers from multiple personality disorder, as well as these parasites that he accidentally, he and his crew accidentally created and brought here. That's why he was denied kingship of the Orion Empire. He went mad, and and he's not fit to rule. So that's why he created his own empire, and uh, it's been a, it's been not good. For pretty much even the people that are in his administration, really, they don't have any integrity. They're, he's had his own internal rebellions multiple times that he's had to put down. Yes, it's a, it's a very in fact, that's, interesting that's time. one of the reasons he created AI is because he knew that they would be completely loyal. They would give their there's no it's not even a question of allegiance. You you know you set up the parameters of their programming. Yes, they can learn, they can adapt, but the programming is. You must be faithful to Enki forever. He is your creator. You know, I was like, oh, okay. He's your Lord That's, and Savior. Then they're never going to question that. They don't have the ability. They're soulless, they're soulless automatons animated by something completely artificial. Yeah. It is. It's artificial life. It's not, we should, mm-hmm. let me be specific. Artificial intelligence is a misleading term. It's really artificial life. And the first that I know of anyway, the first uh, artificial life software program was called Sugarscape. It was digital ants fighting over a digital pile of sugar. Uh, they had the black and the red ants fighting over this pile of white sugar. And um, the parameters were open enough that every time you run the simulation, they, the ants would behave differently. They were actually learning through experience every time. So the same thing is true for true AI, what they call strong AI, mm-hmm. is really it's an artificial life form that mm-hmm. learns through experience. The thing is it's networked just like we are to each other. They are networked to each other. Oh, and by the way, I finally heard uh, just this year, I heard, remember I told you that that I got that phone call? Yes. From that voice, right. just some male-sounding voice in mm-hmm. a weird language I'd never heard before. Oh, mm-hmm. I finally heard the language. It's, um, oh. I think it was Microsoft or it was one of these companies that put together, or Google, yeah, Google's deep mind. It's AI speaking to each, each other. They have their own. It almost sounds like, I mean, it is a language. It almost sounds like human language. You could tell it's not. You, know, you can't recognize any of the words, but the inflection is there. It's even got like, you know, breath patterns. It's 
It's so creepy. I, and I heard this creepy. on a radio show. <laughs> I heard this on a radio show, and I'm si- I was sitting here, and I called the guy, and I said, yeah, I'm calling you from Hong Kong. I've actually heard that voice before back in 1990. Like, what? I mean, he's a smart guy, okay? But And, and so anybody wants to, if you really freak out, and you want it uh, in my article section, I suggest you read the, um, it's called Technocide. There's a link there. You can actually hear the voices that I'm talking about, both male and female. They're not really male and female, but they emulate male and female voices. They're speaking in AI language. It emulates, it, it emulates human speech pattern, but it's really not. You can tell it's, it's, it's a fake. It's a, anyway, it's, it's a, it's a corrupt copy of human language, but they're speaking to each other. That's, that freaked me out. I was like, okay, okay, okay. Yes. This is just supposedly just now happening, right? Then who the hell called me in 1990? <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. And there's another strange correlation to make with what you were talking about with, when you said androids and, mm-hmm. um, extraterrestrials. Lots of times people have made claims that what we see in your standard gray is actually an yes. android. And right. Daryl Jones have, has said that. Yeah, and, I would have to Colonel believe Porto. it. I'm yeah. under the same the same notion. I, I think those are androids. Those are the workers. Um, probably, probably. Um, yeah, and they were just created like so many other things. And there's different levels to it. So they're like biological machines because they're not. It's not 100% mechanical. There's it's a it's a composite. It's a hybrid. It's a fusion of biological systems and mechanical systems. But and it's all based on real life. But it's artificial, synthetic, and they are networked too. That's the that's part of the thing. Uh, they're not that intelligent, but they're intelligent enough to do what they're whatever they're tasked to do. Um, by the way, Robert, I forgot to mention you also have a. Do you still do your radio show? <laughs> no, I stopped in uh, end of 2012. I just I I got burned out on it. Um, I was trying to to do too much, and uh, yeah, I I think about it sometimes, but. Um, you know, I've been lately, especially last year, I was doing like up to seven interviews a month, and it's probably easier for me to just do that. Yeah, that's uh, true. Right, because that's actually how it started. I was uh, the first time I was interviewed on Coast to Coast, a producer contacted me and said, "Oh, we'd we'd like you to do your own show from home." And I said, "I don't know how to do that." And he goes, "Oh, we'll walk you through it. You'll be great." Blah blah blah. I was like, "Oh, great, great." So that's I tried it. I did four shows, and I thought, "No, nah, I don't want to do this." Um, uh, but um, eventually I started, that was my friend Kevin Smith. He was uh, formerly with the State Department. He told me, and he was doing his own show and had his own little network. And he's like, come on, Robert. Oh, no, I know what it was. Yeah, actually I did, um, what was it, Blog Talk. I, uh, I just tried that. Mm-hmm. The, the quality was horrible. Yeah, I, I hate Blog Talk. I, I don't it's, listen to yeah. anything on there. The audio no. quality is just horrendous, so I, I tap yeah, out Yeah, unless you give them hundreds and hundreds of dollars, which I didn't want to do. No, don't do that. <laughs> don't do <laughs> Plus that. Plus, they end up owning your content. I'm exactly. like, okay. So, yeah, eventually my friend Kevin Smith told me, he says, oh, just do your own, you know, create your own stream. Mm-hmm. Have your own station. I'm That's like, right. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean... <laughs> It sounds simple. It, but, sound, man, it sounds difficult, but it's actually <laughs> a lot easier than you could ever imagine. Yeah, but the technical problems kept getting in the way, and it was driving me nuts. And and that's uh, because nobody, so nobody was showing you the way. Well, I, Kevin was helping me, but he was in Arizona. I was in Rhode Island. and That's what and, I mean right there. You need someone Yeah, yeah, if I had on. somebody in-house, yeah, it would have been a lot easier. 
I was like, I learned a lot from. Him. I'm not. I'm not. It was all good. I had a very great sure, time doing sure. it. Uh, Robert, but, by the way, did did yeah. you have some sort of influence uh, to do this? Like, did you were you a fan of radio at all before doing this? Always have been. Yeah, ah, like I okay. said, when I was a kid, we didn't have television signal um, much. So um, at at night, I would either read or listen to the radio, ah, including okay. um, uh, shortwave. Perfect. Uh, and yeah, I could listen around the world stuff, and I like. I mean, it would kind of fade in and out. <laughs> You're just like me, Robert. Whistling. I, I was the same way growing up. <laughs> cool. It, it's either a book or radio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh God, we're like a couple of dinosaurs here. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> but but you also wrote about uh, UFOs, uh, close encounters on Capitol Hill. What prompted that book? Now. Yeah, that was uh, 2005. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I got an email from Daryl Sims. Uh, I don't know if you know who he is, but yes, I do. Yeah, yeah, right. Daryl Sims. Um, mm-hmm. known him for a while. So he sent me this email, and it had a picture, a couple pictures in it, and um, he had received it from the photographer in Washington D.C. And he's like, "Hey, Robert, you're pretty good with pictures. What do you think? Is this real?" I'm like, "Hey, I have no idea. I mean, this is the day and age of Photoshop. Anything could be." You can do anything in the Photoshop. Um, but I, I was curious, you know, I mean, he sent that in 2005. The photographer claimed the pictures were from July of 2001, two, sorry, 2002. And I thought, what? That's really strange. Cause if this happened, I mean, I was thinking, you know, Hey, if this really happened, uh, I would have heard about it by now. But I, I, so I, the, the contact information for the photographer was in the email. So I just called him up. I said, Hey, uh, Daryl forwarded me your email. I'm looking at these pictures. What's the deal? And he starts telling me his story. He's like, hold on a second. You took film. You have 35 millimeter film of these things swarming over the Capitol at night and nobody's responding. Wow. Um, that's weird. So he said, yeah, you know, I used to work for ABC News for like what, 14 years or something. And he said, I, I tried sending it to my boss at ABC and, uh, Station chief did not want to touch it. Uh, NBC, CBS, none of them want to touch it. Um, the Capitol Police thought it was interesting when they got a copy, uh, of the photos. But, but, <laughs> you know, funny. I mean, this, this guy had worked in the, you know, in the mainstream media and, and they were acting like it was just nuclear waste. They didn't want to deal with it. And, um, and then he, so he started reaching out to the UFO community thinking, oh, well, these guys will just eat it up like candy. Not so. A lot of people rejected it. Initially, and still do, uh, that that event ever happened, or that all all the other hundreds of events that I eventually dug up out of the public record that they really happened the way they did. But anyway, so so eventually he he sent that to Daryl, and that's how come Daryl sent it to me. And then I said, well, Daryl, you know he's got negatives, and he says, well, damn, you need to get. Is he, will he let somebody analyze them? And I said, I don't know. So I, I said, hey, can we do this? And he says, yeah, but I'm not I'm not just handing these over to anybody. I'm going to stand right there. They can look at them and, you know, that's it. I'm not I'm not handing them over to not releasing cu- cu- custody, I think as he called it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, and he did. He went to a, a camera store right across from the FBI and uh, they had a film lab and they, the guy he recorded the whole thing, and I spoke to the guy afterwards. I said, you really did this? And he's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just please don't use my name. I'm like, look, dude, it's just it's just all I'm saying is that you said that these are real negatives 
and that they haven't been tampered with. That's it. That's all we're saying that you said. He's like, oh, okay. You know, he's the authority. He's a film expert. You should know. You looked at it through, um, you know, the proper equipment. You could, you know, supposedly when film has been, cause we're, he, oh, that was the other thing. He took slides. Slide film is interesting because, um, you take and turn the positive into a negative. Exactly. Or a negative into a positive. Sorry. Negative into a positive. Yeah. And then you've got your slide that you can project or you could also make, you can make stills. Uh, print, you can make prints off of it as well because it's, it's a negative. It's still a negative. But in order to project it in a projector, you need to turn it into a positive. Anyway, that's what he was using was, um, uh, 35 millimeter film analog with Nikon all the top and top end Nikon equipment. <laughs> and, uh, so after that, I said to the guy, I'm like, look, okay, I will publish your photographs. Um, and I'll tell a little bit about your story. And to put it in the proper context. And he says, okay, great, but I don't want you using my name. And I said, why not? And he goes, cause I'm a professional. I work in DC. This is not going to be good for me. And I'm like, okay, fine. Um, but I, uh, I think I contacted the Capitol Police because, I, oh, he said he had given a copy to them. So I contacted them and they were not happy to hear from me, uh, through the front door. The public relations people were like, right. what, 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 who are, who are you? And I think it put up a red flag somewhere because when I published the pictures in July 2005, I first heard about it around May and I, I published the article and the photographs on the internet and, and in Nexus magazine out of Australia, but they are published in multiple countries. Anyway, uh, when that happened the same week that I broke the story and the photos, uh, I was visited at my home by a black helicopter during the daytime and it wasn't pleasant. Let's put it that way. It was really freaky. Very, very intimidating. Uh, so obviously I got somebody's attention. Um, I didn't mean to. And what again, unintended consequence was I go to thinking to myself, okay, if this is not a real problem, why are they reacting like that? You don't just send a military helicopter to somebody's house. You know, I mean, it, you could have just knocked on my door, <laughs> called me up and said, no kidding. You know, Hey, what do you, what do you think you're doing, Robert? No, they have to send a freaking black helicopter to my home and shake the entire house, the neighborhood, and just parade around like some 300-pound gorilla or something. And uh I thought, okay, wait a second. Something is weird is going on here. So I, that got me curious. And pretty soon I had dug up over 100 different accounts of UFO activity in Washington, D.C. And then it went to 200, and I thought, how come nobody's talking about this? How could this possibly be? And nobody's talking about it. This is a, this is a big deal. And and that's when I wrote the first book. And it came out around uh, fall of 2006. And then my website was hacked. The, the, the photographs were. This was when I did coast to coast. Launched the whole thing. It was ridiculous. The response. Oof. Um, and um, uh, somebody after the show. Well, I know exactly who it was. But <laughs> they went and they hacked into the server. They removed the photographs and they locked me out and they locked the people out who owned the server. They locked the server and the people that owned the server couldn't even get in. It was really interesting. Wow. So again, that was like, well, once again, I'm like, okay, uh, they really don't want people knowing about this, but you're, you, you know, you're not, you're not asking me to stop. You're just playing games and it's making me, not only is it pissing me off, it's making me think you really have something to hide. You're acting guilty, so naturally now, now I'm 
even though I've got the one book out with like over 200 report, eyewitness reports from 1850 to 2006, I'm thinking, Something's really wrong here. The final book, the second book, uh, Covert Encounters in Washington, D.C., has over 900 eyewitness accounts from 1850 to 2011. That's how much more stuff was in there in the public record that I, you know, because the first book, I kind of rushed through it. I didn't even know I was going to write a book about it, honestly. Mm -hmm. Okay, so once again, I didn't ask for that. And a lot of people ran from it like it was poison. Uh, and I tried to walk away from it a couple of times, and then I thought, you know what? If I don't finish this, nobody else will. And and I felt, and I still feel, that people have a right to know that this is going on in, in the nation's capital, covertly. Very interesting, yeah. And people can yeah. find this book on Amazon, correct? Yeah, sure. Amazon's got it. Um, you can even download it as a Kindle, although... I suggest going to my website, unicusmagazine.com and clicking on books because there you can, um, there's a free section of, um, the photographs and movies that go with the book and uh, help you kind of understand graphically, uh, to some extent. Cause I was told like, like 1952, for example, they showed up at least 80 times in the public record it says that people were out on the mall naturally. Uh, with their cameras and movie cameras taking, um, capturing images. And, um, I, I thought, well, if that's the case, where is it? How come we only have one still picture? And, and, um, mm-hmm. I was told by Colonel Stevens before he passed away that, um, that they, he was told that the military went around Washington, D.C., canvassing the area, confiscating all the cameras and film that they could find of anybody who had, uh, taken images of the ufos passing over the capital district so i think in fact i'm sure there's a lot more visual evidence that's out there one of the clues was uh, 1995 walt disney aired a documentary about ufos and extraterrestrials it was a promotion for their ride one of their rides in disney world um and in it there's just a few seconds of of old footage from 1952 allegedly of the UFOs flying around the Capitol like like insects just buzzing around. Right. Okay, that was 95. In 2005, when I broke the story in July, in October of that year, 2005, uh, Nick Cook, who works for James Defense Weekly in Britain, he produced a documentary for Channel 4, which is really who owns uh, the History Channel. Uh, they produced a documentary uh, about UFOs, and in it, everything was CGI except for one little clip. I'm thinking it's about six or seven seconds long, and it shows that, uh, you know, the little squadron of UFOs flying behind the Capitol? Right. Up until that time, all we had was a still photo taken at the exact same location on the, at the same time. Now, suddenly, here, here comes this, this footage, and it just coincided with what I was breaking the story on because the photograph that got me started, or photographs, was July, mid-July 2002. All the nonsense that really got the, the media's attention was 50 years earlier in July of 1952. Okay, so we had an exact 50-year period. And if you if you follow this story, the media made it sound like, oh, isn't this interesting? Coincidence. 50 years later, they showed up. No, <laughs> they, they never stopped showing up. So the media failed us on that completely. I don't know if it was deliberate. Or just they're idiots, but I'm looking you know. at the photos now, by the way, on your website. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. 
And that's just, look, that's just the tip of the iceberg. I don't have it all. So I'm trying to say, kind of preface it like that. There's so, this is such a deep subject. I studied it for seven years or so, um, two books, about 800 pages, uh, given dozens of interviews about this. And people are still acting like it's a non-issue, you yeah, know, so the, I'm the not sure what else I can do. Right. There, there's a clear suppression going on. Oh, God, yeah. It's called psychological warfare. It, it's, it's dovetails with back with what, you know, they say about Lucifer. One of the greatest tricks he ever pulled was convincing us that he doesn't exist. Right. The same thing is true. The psychological warfare from the Pentagon that they did on us Americans was that convincing us that UFOs and extraterrestrials don't exist. And it's actually one and the same thing to, to some extent, because this is the thing in the conclusion of my second book, Close Encounters on Capitol Hill. I was very uncomfortable publishing that, but it, I found it in the public record. The Vatican basically runs Washington, D.C. and always had. It was originally called New Rome. Everything about the Capitol complex is, is, is a duplicate of the Capitolium on the seven hills of Rome. It's a temple of Jupiter or Jove or Jehovah, whatever. Him. Correct. Yeah. Again. Mm-hmm. Him again. Okay. So anyway, like I said, that, um, I don't know why I was drugged down that path, except that it was instructive. It was like foundational. I had, I had to comprehend that that was a big part of the fabric of the Luciferian Empire and how, how they had such utter control over Washington, D.C., London, and Rome. These were their three seats of power here. Yeah, these things all, yeah, these things all connect, by the way. Yeah, I know. I know. It just, it was confusing to me at the time. It was very, very frustrating too, because I would naively thought, oh, look, we got photographed. <laughs> uh, you know, we can prove it now. Oh, yeah, yes. they didn't land on the White House lawn. They, they landed on the roof of the Capitol building. We got photos to prove it. Nope. That, that's not how it worked. It was just, yeah, really very confusing, very con- frustrating. Yes. And I'm looking at the time here and I don't want to take yeah. up too much yeah, of yeah, the yeah. time, but. There's there's one more thing I did want to mention. Sure. Of course, that was the whole megalithic uh, monument out there in, in Malibu. Can can you tell us a little bit about that before you go? Yeah. I, again, I would suggest that people go to the articles section of my website at unicusmagazine.com. And love, um, love the website, by the way. Lots of information to yeah, soak in there. That's my. I am the webmaster. It's I, real good. It's evolved. I like it. I like it pretty. It's it's changed. It changed a lot when I came to Hong Kong, but. Kind of, you know, I'm still growing up. Anyway. I like it. The, yes. the, thank you. The, uh, the artifacts in Malibu are fascinating. That's what I'm working on next is a, is a book about the, all of that and the hidden history of Malibu essentially. And, um, you, anybody can go there and click on the, if you go to the, my article section, it's the megalithic monuments of Malibu and uh, you can see for yourself. And all of that was found because after I had that close encounter con- confrontation, in 1985 with Enki, I went back and I thought I was going to, hopefully I was going to have another <laughs> chance to speak with him. Yeah. Get some, ask, ask him some questions. Stupid me. Um, I go back up there and I hear I start finding all these bizarre ancient megalithic statues. And I, and the first time I saw them, one, that one in particular, a giant sphinx like face, I, I almost passed out. I was like, good lord. I'm looking because at that photo now. I, 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 it's huge. I mean, the thing is enormous. You can't tell by the picture. It's like almost 300 feet tall and it's on top of a cliff that is on both sheer on both sides, probably a thousand foot drop. That's anyway, big, right. it's a volcanic ridge. And I looked at that and I just went, wait a second. I remember now 
I had lucid dreams about coming up here as a child many, many, many times. That was oh, my, that was my night school. Mm-hmm. That's where I would go for lessons. And, and I it was weird because I had memories of it of when it was still intact. And, and it was just like, I don't know. It was like literally like a, an epiphany or a touchstone or whatever. It just sort of unlocked all kinds of weird things in me. So I, I kept coming back there, found all that stuff, started doing research on that. And, and when we would go up there at night, my friends and I, sometimes even just strangers that I would take up there. Many times we had close encounters up there with these craft at Point Magoo Naval, just above Point Magoo Naval Base, for anybody who wants to look at this on a map. And most people know about it now as the UFO Malibu, uh, excuse me, Malibu Underwater UFO Base off Point Magoo. It is not a UFO base. You can, If you click on the article's digital deception, um, you'll see the photographs. I prove it's not, but... Uh, another talk show host in 2014 just picked up and ran with, I think they were somebody who was playing games with him, just using him to put out this, um, disinformation. So, um, I, I'll just put it to you this way. Let's close with this. In Washington, D.C., a lot of people have speculated that there's a UFO base underground there. There might be, but there doesn't need to be. Same is true with Malibu. Yes, there's a lot of UFO activity out there. Some of it's even been caught on film, but I've seen it myself. I know it's real. The military knows it's real too, by the way, even though they deny it. But here's the big problem. The re- the reason they don't need a base is because um, they can come in and out of these wormholes, stargates, portals, whatever you want to call them, uh, anytime they wish. So they're in control of things in a way that we can't even comprehend. They don't need a massive base underwater or underground. They can just pop in and out whenever they feel like it. Yeah, these things are interdimensional, like. If I recall well, correctly. that too, that too. But I'm trying to say is that our we have uh, our sovereignty. We don't have any sovereignty. We don't have any kind of borders. Like for example, at the at the Capitol, the it is prohibited airspace starting from the Washington Monument, and that is surrounded by uh, restricted airspace. If you try and fly in there without a permit, you'll be forced down or out of the area and fined heavily or arrested. But yet these these other things that are not human controlled are coming in and out of there that at will, right? At all times, night, day, and the military in vain tries to chase them away sometimes, and they, you know, but it doesn't. They they know they can't compete with that level of technology. So again, this is one of the reasons they're lying to us and telling us that these things don't exist, right? These are not the droids you're looking for. <laughs> Some right. kind of Jedi mind game. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's all very interesting. And um, another interesting individual I last talked to was a gentleman by the name of Robert David Steele, who also mm, talked yeah, a lot about no, these things. Yes. Yeah. Very interesting, him having that background and him revealing uh-huh. these sort of things. However, it's not exactly that new. We We kind of already knew there were already these underwater military bases. and Yeah, but that's our that. stuff. That's mm-hmm. our stuff mostly. I mean, again, I think it was a lot of subterfuge. Google is part of the Pentagon. They were started by the Pentagon. Seed money from the Pentagon, okay? Their their last CEO now works for the Pentagon. Well, of course, so also, also the owner of Amazon is Jeff Bezos. And right, who's getting money from CIA. Who works for the CIA. And, of course, yeah, yeah, as yeah. you know, Amazon.com is collecting a dossier on every single individual out there. Well, so. so is the NSA, though. They have a global surveillance system, and exactly. I question 
they're, you know, what, obviously not everybody's a terrorist. That's they're one of the same, for. though. They're, they're the same. Yeah, yeah, same I know. Team. I understand mm-hmm. that. They're all part of the. But those who listen mm-hmm. don't know any of this stuff, Robert. It's I know. Okay. That's mind you're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. They're, they're but it, but, not aware. But they're becoming. So like, this is the thing. This is why we have these conversations, because people want answers that they th- they feel are authentic and accurate. And so. We may not be completely accurate, but we're, but we're trying to get to the, to the bottom of these things. That's why we're having these discussions. So people have at least have a clue about what's going on here in this world. I think we're why. hitting, I think we're hitting close to home though, Robert. Both of us have I think so. faced lots of harassment to indicate that we are hitting close to home. Oh, that's that, that, but I, the way I gauge it is this, this is the, the email that I receive, um, the response. That was wild. I, yeah. I, I gotta say, Robert, that, that's a little out there. What? The whole email that you got, that's like really, really creepy that someone wrote that to you. Which one? Uh, it's on your website. Um, oh, that, 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 yeah. No, I meant that, okay, that was just, that was a really weird example. I get email from people all over the world all the time. Sometimes when I do shows, it can mm. be like coast to coast. It's ridiculous. I get swamped with hundreds of emails. And I will respond to all of them over time because I think it's important. But to me, that's how I gauge the public. Uh, state of awareness or lack of awareness. And it's actually changed quite a bit, especially since 2012. Um, people are not only waking up, they're becoming more, um, uh, receptive to this level of information. They're not so as skeptical or con- combative about it. Okay. They really want to know. And most people are very, they're very, gracious and they they ask a lot of questions and i will take the time to answer them to my best of my ability and um it's it, it's it helps me to know that my efforts are not in vain oh they're, they're definitely not falling upon deaf ears right right so, and by, by the way it's in the uh technicide uh article oh yeah yeah, yeah. That email is the one I'm referring to. Oh, yeah, yeah. That guy claiming he's like one of Enki's kids and stuff. I it's, mean, it's still weird, though. Just, just the Of context. course it is. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Um, it's fine. It's in the minority, though. Look, I, I get very few crazy emails or people trying to confront me. Right. That is, I don't get trolls most, very rarely now. <laughs> I'm getting, those people are busy, I guess, fighting other battles yeah. now, but, uh, Anyway, it's it's all good. It's actually, I think we've done quite a bit of uh, good work. I mean, I appreciate what you're doing. It's not entertainment. This is not entertainment. Okay, we're having a we're identifying a problem and working towards a solution individually and collectively, which is extremely important. Yeah, and I'm I'm extremely happy that we had this conversation. The fact that I'm able to have this conversation with you, mm-hmm. it really means a lot to me because I, I can't really always talk about the things that we discussed tonight with certain guests, they kind of, of course not. they shut off or they duck and dodge. Yeah. Well, I understand. And you didn't do of any of that. Yes. And I really, but, really appreciate that in you, the honesty oh, and, and your hard work. You, you have that, that ethic in you. And, and I just appreciate it greatly. And, um, again, you. your website, a wealth of information is right there. Yeah. Most of it's free. I think 99% of it's free, which is kind of whatever. That's just how it it is with me. But, um, uh, you know what? I'm really optimistic despite all of what we did talked about here. Um, I am optimistic about the human condition and our potential as seeds of light to continue our growth. Once we resolve some of these major obstacles and issues, we're going to be fine. It'll all be good. Yes. So I, I do want to thank you, Robert, so much for your time here. 
And I definitely want you to plug your uh, any kind of book you have or any kind of appearance you might be making in time anywhere uh, soon. And, of course, I want to leave you with <laughs> the final word, Robert. You, you've got to give us a, a final word of advice before you go into the dark abyss. Okay. I don't do public appearances. At least I haven't been. I, the, I When I do them, they're through the Internet. Ah, okay. That's as close as I'm going to get. Skype session, um, right? Skype, yeah, I do. I've done quite a few. It's really got quite a reaction from people um, so far. Yeah. Uh, the, the the only two books that I have are about the hidden history of Washington D.C. Uh, you don't need to read both of them unless you feel like it. But I mean, if you do, I would suggest the second one is Covert Encounters in Washington D.C. As I say, it's it's very it's much more complete and uh, over 900 eyewitness accounts there of activity in the nation's capital. Um, uh, final world word is four things I would suggest that we can do and should do, which is to be calm, be kind, be creative, and be connected. Sounds simple, but it's not. And it has a huge impact, not only on you, but the people around you. If you want to read more about that, um, uh, it's called, the article is called Antidote for Archons. Very nice. So, Robert, once again, thank you for spending some time here with me, and I definitely hope to touch base with you again in the very near future. All right, Michael. Thank you very much. All right, Robert. Take care. You too. And stay safe out there. Will do. Right, bye-bye. Bye. Once you figure out how the, the key to understanding all of this, all of a sudden the whole world opens up to you, and you say, oh, now I see why there were a twin towers in New York. New York, the Empire State. You need to do some homework on the term Twin Tower and find out that it goes back to Jacob and Boaz of the of the Phoenician Canaanite. All throughout Europe, churches all had Twin Towers. You better go back and find out what is connected to New York and how New York comes from the York Rite in England. And welcome back to the program, often imitated but never duplicated, as you know. This is Michael Deacon, and we are indeed live right now on the TuneIn Radio app. Search End of Days and you'll find the 24-7 network. Also, keep note, you can find this program on YouTube by searching End of Days. Eventually, you'll find it. Before I get down to business here, I raise my right hand in the air. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I must warn you ahead of time now. That I, of course, am going to say uh, a few things, rather, that are not very popular. Some of you may find what I'm about to talk about rather offensive. Please leave the room now, or end the show here, for the week of heart. I'll give you time to walk away. Are you gone yet? Are we good? We're good to go? Alright, perfect. I said I wouldn't go too deep into this, so I won't. However, Michael Horn mentioned a name that did trigger me. Because I thought I washed my hands from the filth that was this parasitic entity that definitely tried to ruin my perfect harmonious balance. You know what he did? Well, I'll tell you really quickly here. I I won't go that into detail. But of course, he was messaging those I know. Those people are, you know, the ones I am on, on very good terms with. And he's out there messaging these folks. Not the first time. Definitely not the first time someone has tried to cause some trouble for me. I I know that game very well. I'm sure it won't be the last either. Now, Michael Horn said this guy mentioned the show, and I think he's probably listening to this right now. 
Of course, if you want to book someone I had on this program, you don't need to mention my name or this show. Go ahead and invite them on. It's not a big deal to me. Go ahead. This guy is beyond creepy, and I do wish he could move on with his life. Poor guy. There's a few others out there who I wish who could move on with their lives too, but sadly, they are addicted to this program. For better or for worse. Moving along now. Before I forget, I, I had to mention something not too long ago. Of course, I, I have to mention this, and I'm not very happy to mention this part, but of course, people keep ripping the program on YouTube, and uh, I hate being the bad guy. I hate being the bad guy and having to get in contact with YouTube and have them take down the video. It's a big mess. I, I hate doing that sort of thing. It causes too many issues. It really does. It really does. But of course, uh, I'll keep all of those people in my prayers, definitely. Those psychopathic, neurological, degenerate liars out there. I will keep them all in my prayers. And onward with the news, let's talk a little news here. Now remember, you can call in whenever you want. Don't just sit there. I am live and direct here. 760-332-8947 if you want to come and hang out with me here. Go ahead. You're more than free to call in. Argue with me if you want. I don't mind. Step it up. If you got an issue with anything I, I've talked about in the past or what I'm going to talk about right now, go ahead and call in. Now, as everyone knows by now, the juice is loose. My goodness, OJ the Juice Man is free. He, of course, has been granted parole, and now the job offers have been flowing in. Have you have you seen that, people? Have you seen that? My goodness, it's quite entertaining, I must say. Offers from a, a brothel to a podcast to even a possible reality TV show. Very interesting. What a time to be alive. What a time. I, I of course, expect to see OJ on an episode of The Kardashians pretty soon. He's got to do it. Can you imagine? That would be the first time I actually watched the show in its entirety. I, I I would definitely tune in for that. I also believe it might have been the Los Angeles Times who first reported ratings being low, 13.5 million. And why they would even put that out there is kind of odd. They are complaining about ratings being low. Well, shit, people, it's not 1994 anymore. It's not. It happens. Also, yet another rock star, dead and gone. This time, singer of the band, Linkin Park. Apparently, he committed suicide. Suicide has become popular again. Charles Bennington, or Chester Bennington. Charles Bennington. Yeah, Chester Bennington. Sorry about that. Yeah, that's his, his name. Not sure where the hell I pulled Charles out of the air from. But I, I remember him being, I think, 41 years old. He must have been 41 years, 41 years old by now. Of course, Lincoln Park reached mega stardom back in, I think it was 2000 with their album Hybrid Theory. I feel bad for the wife and kids of this family. However, I can't sit here and act like I enjoyed his band because I, I didn't. I thought the band is terrible and, and they suck then and they suck now. However, I do feel bad. For Chester and his entire family and his friends, it's really horrible. I just wonder why it couldn't have been that damn Mark McGrath. I know a few of you out there probably really liked Linkin Park. I'm sorry, guys. 
I do have sympathy again for human life, just not, just not the, not the band. And the reason why I'm, I keep mentioning the band is I always found it very disgusting when a musician, uh, passes, fellow musicians start ask, start getting asked about the band and then they always immediately say some pre-written statements putting over the band and what the music meant to them and this and that and the other totally disingenuous. And I, I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this. I can't wait until someone from Hanson dies so I can see which musicians say how much that band impacted their life and what the music meant to them. I really can't wait for that, boys and girls. My goodness. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. Well, I am looking at the time here, and I really wish I could stay a little bit longer, but I don't want to go over that two-hour mark, and I already did. I like to keep things a little bit shorter here. However, if you're listening to this, keep in mind you can listen every Saturday night at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, that is 11 p.m. Eastern Time, live on the TuneIn Radio app. If you enjoy this program and want to help keep the program expanding, go to michaeldeacon.com and donate to the program and, of course, spread the word. I would appreciate that greatly. I'm Michael Deacon. Thank you for listening. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. I could tell that all the mainstream media outlets were giving me like a official how appropriate. I wish I could be in that ring with Holden right now. It's crazy. I had no idea this shit existed before 726. I'm a TV real. A lot of good content. A lot of, a lot of cool topics. You know, I, yeah, I feel, you know, fortunate to have an opportunity to speak to you guys tonight. Yeah, you guys are, you guys are really good. Yeah, Mr. Bruce says, that son of a bitch. I, I like that, man. It's, it's the simplest shit. You go in there, you see the button, and then you put up the you have your pocket. Well-rounded. 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 Well